Hello and welcome back, listeners, to another exciting inferno on fire, a flame of an episode of the Dual Screens podcast. My name is Andy, and joining us this week, I'm very excited about this, is Sebastian Bernard, the creator of Nuclear Blaze, a unique 2D firefighting game with all the devastating backdrafts, exploding walls, and sprinklers you could expect. Sebastian, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Hello. Uh, thank you for inviting me first. And, uh, I agree there's lots of room for puns on uh, firefighting games. So I know. Feel free to talk about explosions. On I'm fire. trying to <laughs> hold myself back, but I have a burning desire <laughs> deep inside. <laughs> But I'm going to extinguish that for the time being. And uh, Sebastian, um, I think the first thing I want to ask you, because there's a lot to cover in this game, which, by the way, for those who are listening, you can read our full review on dualscreens.com. Spoiler, we loved it. Um, (laughs) The first thing I want to ask you is, are you just like the coolest dad that ever dadded (laughs) in the entire world? Honestly, I don't know just because my my kid. Uh, I'm not sure he thinks like that, but uh, I'm not sure yet. Maybe later. But uh, the thing is, I, I will probably just do like retro game, and mm-hmm. my kid will probably more like be a Fortnite kid. <laughs> so I, I really don't know if I will be like the coolest or the, the like the less the less cool that in the world. Oh God. Yeah. So for those who are going to learn very soon, this game was born out of a a desire to create something that your three-year-old could play. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it started because my my kid, uh, my three-year-old kid is like a big fan of firefighting in Mm -hmm. general. I just discovered, I don't know the English word for this uh, anime, but you know, the the movie, uh, it's not a picture, it's an animated series uh, with a firefighter, Sam, mm. is it? Uh, not sure. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar, but go on. Yeah, that's something that most people who have kids probably had to, to live with. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big fan of this. And uh, I wanted to, to show him a few games. And uh, I wanted to show him especially firefighting games. And actually, I didn't find any because uh, the last one was probably like Fireman 2 on PS1. <laughs> so it's like a long time ago. And apart from that, you you mostly have a simulation game, which is like a little bit too complex for him. Mm-hmm. So I took the opportunity of a game jam to actually make a, a small firefighting game. It used to be a small thing, but it actually grew bigger. Right. So yeah, I was trying to search in my brain like for any firefighting game. So there's one that comes to mind very recently, a game called Ember which is basically firefighting meets crazy taxi. Yeah. <laughs> it's you get requests on your phone and you walk around town putting out fires, saving people. It's super hilarious, but I think it's a little bit too much for even a three-year-old to kind of get a full grasp around. Then I thought of there's a PS2 game that's like mm-hmm. a Konami firefighting game that came out like a bajillion <laughs> years ago. And there's I don't know why this sticks in my brain very specifically, but Mega Man Legends 2 opens with a firefighting segment. Mm. 
where you have like a water gun <laughs> and you're putting out yeah. a fire in the kitchen the monkey started <laughs> yeah exactly that's, that's that's really weird because you know when you're um, you're making games you usually try to think of something which is like unique or something different mm -hmm. and uh it's it was really weird for me to actually discover that uh, firefighting games were like not a thing and uh at the same time it's also like uh, the biggest passion for most kids <laughs> like they love them. everybody loves firefighting mm. uh so it was really weird for me to actually discover that there was basically pretty close to no zero uh, firefighting game out there yeah and this kind of game it puts me back in that ps1 ps2 era mindset where it's a very unique idea that you don't see a lot of and it's sort of experimental and it's not like a traditional run and gun platformer kind of game and i love that indie games can really embrace these sort of crazy ideas that turn out to be so much fun in the end yeah it's a, it's that's something i really love about this uh, time you know when you are making games nowadays because it feels like it really feels like uh, it's a uh, back into your garage and you're creating things that actually you can sell and you can make a living out of them it feels like some a new golden era for video games mm. so it's really cool to 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 be part of that in some way it's really uh, it's really fun and very exciting because as you say you can try crazy things and uh, you can actually make something cool out of that so it's really it's really exciting definitely yeah, and this came from a game jam, if I'm not mistaken, correct? This original yeah. concept for for Nuclear Blaze. Yeah, at first it was a it was a game created for Ludum Dare mm. or Ludum Dare or Ludum whatever. People, <laughs> most people don't know how to pronounce that, <laughs> but it's a, it's a game jam. It's a famous game jam which opens uh, like three or four times a year, and uh, it it lasts for forty eight hours. So you have forty basically wow. the, the main the main format is you have forty eight hours to create a game. And you don't know the theme, so it's like uh, they announce the theme, and just you have 48 hours to create your game. Uh, you have a few constraints, like you do everything by yourself, and uh, you have to be alone also. Uh, there's also a, a, an easier version where you can actually make a game as a team, which is a little bit uh, cooler. Mm -hmm. But I do prefer the, the solo one because it's like uh, very, it's very exciting and very uh, fun to do. Uh, yeah, and then I decided to create this game for this jam because it was like uh, the jam is definitely the best moment when you can create something which is totally um, unmarketable, something that you definitely can't right, sell. Right. <laughs> so you you put all your crazy ideas in game jam usually. <laughs> and uh, a fun thing actually, the, the, the game actually had a good uh, reception. Uh, um, something that was absolutely not expected from on my side, and uh, so I decided at this point maybe I should take this small project and make a little a bigger one not like a huge one because i knew that the gameplay was a bit limited so you cannot do like a crazy thing out of that mm -hmm. but uh, i thought it was maybe it was a good idea to make like a, a small size uh, project and uh, it could be fun and uh, the fact it's a unique one because you don't have much firefighting game uh, right. it was like quite natural for me to decide to go to go on you would think that's the marketability that it's a crazy mm -hmm. idea like that in of itself is why someone should publish the game. It's like, look yeah. how crazy this thing is. You want exactly. this title in, in your catalog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, it's a, it's a two way, uh, I just say that it's like, it, it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing, because when you see something which is like unique, maybe there is, there is a reason that no one did that before, because uh, there was something that you didn't think about in the gameplay, maybe there is a, any kind of marketing issue, mm. or licensing issue or stuff like that. Right. Um, so it's uh, usually a, a bit tricky when you find something which is like a, really unique it's maybe there is a like a bad thing behind that you didn't think about so for firefighting games i was like exactly in this mood i was like sounds like a good idea but for some reason no one did that and it's not like the craziest idea like the most original one uh, but for some reason there is no other firefighting games so what's the point what's what's the problem actually is there something i didn't think about and uh, actually i did encounter a few problems I've always wondered in those like 24 to 48 hour game jam, is it just you're locked in a space for all that time? Do you get to sleep mm. at all in, in that in the in that situation or that setup? How does that look oh, yeah. like logistically? Uh, you have curious. to sleep. The, the you first have to thing sleep. That okay. you do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first thing when you, you make your first game jam, the first thing you do is like not sleeping, but it's not uh, not it's not possible because you, you can do that for 24 hours. You can work for 24 hours straight, it's okay. Uh, but uh, you, the next 24 hours, it's like you're just a zombie and you're mm. making the worst in your game. So it's not a good idea. <laughs> so usually, yeah, you have to sleep a little less than usual, of course. But you have to sleep and to, to eat normally. You have to go outside. You have to, yes, you have to take a, a little bit of rest. But uh, when you just think about uh, the amount of hours in a weekend, in 48 hours, it's uh, pretty much the same as working for a full week. If you just it's just a compact full week <laughs> in, in a, just in one weekend but you basically have uh, four cycles of eight hours so it's uh, almost a week and um you sleep a little bit but that's okay so it's almost making a game in a, in a week but in very short time so it's a, just a compressed week <laughs> do you sleep right there on the floor in the space or no, do no, you... no. <laughs> So actually, the first one like I did that little bag did sleep and curl up. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, the old days when we were making LAN games, uh, um, uh-huh. multiplayer. Like when you were playing Counter Strike uh, at uh, at your friend's place, you brought your computer and you slept under the desk. Yes, <laughs> this kind of. The, the, so the first time I did that, but that's not a good idea because it's not like resting; it's just uh, surviving mm-hmm. under the yes. desk. It's, like, <laughs> it's not actual sleep. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Um, so kind of walk us through, uh, for those who haven't played Nuclear Blaze yet, what does the core gameplay loop look like in this amazing uh, 2D sprite game? It's it's quite self-explanatory. You're, you're a firefighter and you are airdropped in the middle of a blaze in a, in a forest and you have your friends and colleagues working there to try to, to extinguish like a, a big fire in a forest. And you are given order to explore to the east because they want you to check for survivors and to look for survivors. And so you go there and uh, you find a well complex industrial um, uh, facility there and uh, you decide to explore it because it's not uh, on the map. It's uh, something which is uh, like uh, not supposed to be there. Um, so you decide to explore it and you get trapped inside. Uh, and, and as you explore it, you discover a few things like uh, the fire might be coming from this facility. And you so you decide to go on your own and to explore it and try to turn out fires. And the game as itself, it plays like, um, there's basically there's a little bit of combat, but it's really a 
quite, quite uh, late in the game, so it's not a combat game at all. It's more like you fighting fire, and uh, and mostly it's sort of you fighting the fire propagation, which is actually the main enemy in the game. Uh, when you turn out a fire, if you leave it, uh, leave a small flame somewhere, it will just propagate again, and you will just get in trouble quickly again. So it's really uh, about um, fire ma management, mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you have to put fires and to make sure that it doesn't um, fire uh, start back start again. Where where do you look to for inspiration to sort of dictate what the gameplay should look and feel like? Because I would imagine for a unique concept that hasn't been done in a very long time or ever in this specific format there's no examples that you can look at mm -hmm. okay i want to make a metroidvania game i can look at scores of games that have a similar configuration gameplay style systems how do you come up with that like where do you look to to put those things together in a game that has very little mm -hmm. to look back on for inspiration um, in this kind of, uh, as you say, if I am on classic thing, I just uh, look at what exists and that's quite straightforward. I just, you have to pick, um, cherry pick a few things and, and to make your own creation out of that. But when you are making something which is different mm -hmm. and you don't have references, uh, in my, it's very different from people to people. But uh, on my side, I usually the way I do that, it's uh, just like when I create um, a story for an RPG, for example. I do tabletop RPG uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I really like to create a, a story or thing like that. And when I do that, it, I do exactly for just like that for my games. I just imagine a few scenes uh, in my game, like uh, I just want to you open the door, there is like a, an explosion, and you have to contain the fire that goes out of this door. Just like a, a typical, very um, classic image that you can imagine from this kind of game if it, it ever existed. And I try to to have a few scenes like that. And to when I have a few scenes, it usually it, it allows me to question and to dictate the gameplay. Uh, so for example, if I just to take the door example, it means that when you open the door, there might be an explosion. So you might need to have a defensive move or something. Uh, you will you will probably have to have some kind of propagation because if you open the door, that means that behind you it was turned off. So the fire will start again. So you, you have a few gameplay decision and gameplay mechanics that comes out of these um, stylized scenes that you have in your head. So it, it helps a lot and allows me also to make sure that uh, when I am deep inside my game and uh, working on it, I don't think about anything else. It allows me to question back what I'm doing. It's like mm -hmm. I'm, I am actually doing something that goes to this scene or I'm, I, I am lost, maybe. <laughs> I am going to something different. And uh, is it something that I want to do? Is it uh, the good, the right game I wanted to do? Uh, does it fit to this initial idea? So um, I just work uh, with this kind of uh, ideal scene in my head. You just put like the movie Backdraft on a loop. Oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually the only one. So that's quite easy for me. That's definitely the, the main reference. Yeah, it's actually, that movie is a big part of my childhood for some reason. I'm not even mm. sure why. Like, I think we got it from a VHS rental store and we forgot to return it and we'll just always watch it. 
<laughs> like every other weekend if you're just watching the whole, the whole movie like i think it was is de niro in that movie and like one of the baldwin brothers i think is in that movie but uh mm. that's like the only firefighting film that i can that comes to mind yeah. immediately but when i was looking for actually pictures or videos of uh, mm. firefighters uh, most of them were as a backdraft, obviously, yeah. which is like uh, the, the, the most uh, obvious one. And the other ones were like German uh, movies, uh, not exactly movies, but institutional movies from actual firefighters in Germany. And for some reason, the, that's the only country that actually has tutorial videos for firefighters. <laughs> so, oh, like uh, training videos? Exactly, training videos, and they show you what's the backdraft and actually happening in real life, so you actually see what kind of horrible thing it is, oh, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really crazy. And it's like it's really, yeah, there is one which was uh, very fun, fun uh, in some way, because they put like ten firefighters in a in a box, and they they, they close the box, they put the fire outside, and they open the door. <laughs> They open the door, it's like the fire comes inside and they Yo. just have to, to not move and to see and to feel what actually is a backdraft. And I'm pretty sure that after that, they, they will just be really cautious when opening a door. <laughs> because Germany actually is hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would violate OSHA standards over here, like that kind of training. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> we set this box on fire and you can demonstrate how you react. <laughs> in this situation it's, a, it's, a, it's like a reaction video to a backdraft <laughs> but you're, you're inside um i do have to ask though how do you how do you go from dead cells mm. to this because that's dead cells which everyone knows that is that was one of your babies once upon a time co-creator dead cells one of the biggest, most successful indie games. Like, I think that game is a household indie game up there with, you know, a Hollow Knight or a Shovel Knight, those kind of games. How do you go from that to saying, I want to make my own studio, be like a solo indie dev and do this little experimental, unique firefighting game? How did that transition look hmm. for you? Uh, it's quite uh, complex mm. <laughs> oh, situation. <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> but the, the short story is like, uh, you know, uh, when you're making something, any kind of thing which is successful, it's very hard to be to not be the, like the, the one hit band. You know, you just make a one hit and you just cease to exist. Right. <laughs> and that sales actually was uh, an unexpected success for us and uh, something which was actually much bigger than, uh, than us also. Uh, so it was a very um, uh, difficult task for us to to uh, how to say that to to be on par with the expectations from players. Oh, so like to cope with that level of success, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, we were lucky enough because uh, we decided to put the Dead Cells project uh, in the end of another uh, friend company that was actually sharing our office. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are taking care of it and they are actually making like a huge amount of really good content, uh, really honestly good content on DLCs and uh, on Dead Cells. But that's a very, uh, for me, it was an overwhelming task. It was like, uh, I cannot uh, be, uh, I cannot leave the expectation, live up to the expectations. Um, so uh, uh, we, when we decided to move on and to make another game project, uh, the, uh, my former company, Motion Twin, 
uh, it was very difficult for us to just get along and decide what would be the next one because oh, wow. uh, the expectation was just too high for this studio. And um, I, I really thought it was definitely not possible to uh, to do that uh, with so much pressure, to, to continue making them with so much pressure. And wow. uh, my colleague was quite a uh, degree because we decided to, to, to part. And uh, so uh, part of the company decided to continue on to, to work on a, a new project. So, but for mm. me, it was like, uh, I did have a good, good success. Uh, that sales made my living much easier, of course, obviously. Uh, so it, I, I thought it might be a good time to make something a little bit uh, smaller, mm. uh, but uh, with less expectations, but still having the comfort of being uh, uh, one of the co-creators of that sales. So, I thought it was like the, the life opportunities that I was expecting, maybe. So, uh, so yeah, I decided to to to, leave, to part and to and to start my own uh, small studio, one man studio. Yeah, you never hear that side of the story. I hear a lot of developers who are sort of struggling for a while to make something stick and have meaning and impact mm. in this industry, and then here it's like this runaway accidental success and how do you internalize that and say how do i live up to mm. the name that this game has made for itself it's a yeah. lot it's a lot <laughs> That's a, yes definitely I, I, I would hate to be like the guy who make that sales too because it was it would be just a just a too complex project mm. it could be done but to make something which is a as original or as interesting as that cell was at his time, because uh, the time was different. Also, when that cell came came out, it was a very different market, mm. and uh, the, you didn't have uh, much um, uh, good platformer and rock like at the same time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. With uh, with tight controls and uh, good uh, um, good controls and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's different. So you cannot make the same recipe and hope that it will work. So uh, I definitely would not like to be the, the guy in charge of Dead Cells today. <laughs> but that's okay, because I'm not, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> I'm just yeah. making them for my kids now. <laughs> <laughs> and expectations yeah. are quite high also, but there's different kind of expectations. Yeah, I don't envy that person. I mean, is it even on hmm. someone's list like to make a Dead Cells 2 someday? Because I, I wouldn't think, like, successful as it was, I wouldn't touch that. Yeah. In a sequel. I think additional content is one thing, but mm. to try to do another one without the main visionaries behind it is a little risky. But it's it's possible, I think, because you have a, a few like very good examples. Just if you think about about Doom, when you have Doom, Doom Two, and Doom Three is like okay, a weird accident in the road. Yeah. But uh, then you have Doom and twenty sixteen. Uh, and it's possible to live up to the expectation and to be like a, a true sequel to legend. Uh, and uh, not like that is, is kind of legend, but it's, uh, you see the, the idea. But Doom uh, was an example of, actually it was possible without John Carmack, Carmack unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's, so it's possible, but I think the pressure is like, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was probably a complex, Doom 4 was probably like a very complex project. Right. Well, maybe not right now. Maybe a few years after you get a few more of these games under your belt, you could revisit. Yeah, maybe. Like, okay, I have the idea now for a Dead Cells 2. That's <laughs> no, not going to be total ass. <laughs> I got it, guys. This is a worthy vision <laughs> for a successor. Um, I do want to talk about there's a kid mode 
a nuclear mm-hmm. blaze, which you don't see that in a lot of games ever, I feel. Mm-hmm. Discuss that a little bit for us. I know it's mainly geared for yeah. your son, but like, what was what was it like making that particular mode for nuclear blaze? Uh, it's like, um, you know, because I'm uh, a lot into gaming, I, do, I, I don't play that much, but I really love games in general and board games and RPG games or any kind of game, actually. Uh, so that's definitely, I know that's something that will be probably part uh, of my life kids. Uh, my kid's life, sorry. Um, so I, I knew that uh, they, they, they would have to be initiated. In, uh, they would have to discover gaming at some point. Uh, so I, when I, uh, I was looking for like uh, easy accessible game for kids, most of them were like super basic thing on mobile and uh, very, very, uh, really basic things. And uh, apart from that, you have like a big gap between an actual platformer, for example, and a, a kid game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I thought like maybe it would be fun to to think about uh, something which is kind of complex, like a 2D platformer. You have lots of things that you have to learn and understand to actually explore this kind of game. And how can you actually make this kind of complex game really accessible to, mm. to someone? Could be a kid, but could be anyone that actually is not into gaming. Um, it's a very interesting question when you, you take time to reflect on that because you have to question everything every single aspect of the gameplay, every single thing that you learn about, and you know what a, what a ladder is in a game, what the platform is, what the jump is, or whatever, uh, and special, special recognition on exploration in space. Uh, you have to question everything, and you have to just decide on every single very basic point. Is it something that is actually useful to the game? Is it like complex to learn? And uh, is it actually fun, which is basically mm. the, the three main question for every uh, mechanic that I ask. Uh, and so it was, it was really interesting for me to do that because uh, it was like, think about a 2D platform at a very low level and how can you make that uh, accessible? And from, from this, actually, uh, I, um, I took uh, from this experience, I actually uh, took a few things that I decided to put in difficulty options, accessibility options in the game to have uh, something in between the kid mode and the, the full normal mode. So you can actually um, step up or down the game if you find it a little bit too difficult. You can actually modify a few things. But that's something that came out of the kid mode, the decision, the design decision I, I had to make for the kid mode. Is your son doing all the QA testing for that mode? Is he like, yeah. just, he's like the only person that's like saying, this works, this doesn't work, get this out of here. What is this thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, as I said, he's a kid. So he, he basically has zero experience in his past short life of about gaming. So he, he, he don't, doesn't know what Mario is or whatever. So uh, it's not like he's actually expressing something precise like, hey, this is difficult or something like that. It's more like uh, you observe him and uh, you see uh, what the thing is actually difficult for him, what kind of aspect of the game he's struggling with. And um, it's really useful because this kind of 
um, very basic uh, insight is super useful for even for the, the most difficult uh, mode in the game because uh, the, as I said when I, I when I made dead cells I had uh, I made a few talk about that but it's not uh, sometimes difficulty isn't necessarily equal to fun and most of the right. time it's actually different <laughs> so mm -hmm. the fun aspect and the difficulty it's, it's two different topic and uh, making difficulty fun it's actually very difficult to very tricky to do. Um, so yeah, it was definitely my very first QA on the game, and, uh, and I took uh, lots of uh, small details in ergonomy and UX from his uh, so from his uh, very first playthrough on the game. So it was very useful. <laughs> definitely, I would do that again. <laughs> yeah, just give him a Nintendo. That's all he needs. <laughs> like when yeah, I was a kid, that's all I got. When I was playing Ninja Gaiden, Mega Man, like no one said, <laughs> oh, let's give them an easy a kid mode for this. Yeah. Only, only the kids were playing those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think more, because that's a good conversation when we talk about difficulty and accessibility in games. I feel it comes up often like with a series like Dark Souls specifically. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are vying for difficulty options in a game like that that the game should offer an easy mode for those who don't want a challenge but want mm. to experience the game and it's always like no like this is the vision <laughs> these games are meant to be designed this way and this is how it is do you think those games should look to difficulty options or should they just stick to their guns and say you know what mm. these games are very for a very specific audience of gamers and you know you just got to get better at them if you want to experience <laughs> what it has to offer actually you have two difficult questions behind this which is the first one is uh, the vision uh, yes. the vision is it's definitely part of the game so if the designer of the game uh, actually add the difficulty, I mean, like the real difficulty as part of the vision, yeah, that's okay because the game is a difficult game and that's on purpose. That's not like an accidental or a lack of uh, UX or ergonomy thing. Uh, it's really made on purpose. So the, uh, mm -hmm. when when that's said, that's something which is said, I'm, I'm okay with that. Just mm -hmm. like playing uh, Super Meat Boy, it's, it's difficult yes. on purpose because that's the point yes. of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, yeah, if the vision is actually making a difficult game, that's okay. But it's not uh, it's not a good idea to, for example, to decide really early on to, I will make like a hardcore game because mm -hmm. uh, doing that is, it's, uh, as I said, it's really tricky because to make a, a, a difficult game and not a frustrating game, uh, it's a different, so it's, it's, it's quite complex. Mm -hmm. And the second, the second really important question is not about difficulty. It's more about accessibility. Mm -hmm. It's more like um, uh, to say that, for example, in Doom, um, it's, the idea, the, the concept of the game was probably not making a difficult game. It was more right. like you you should feel like a space marine shooting at demons and feeling mm -hmm. super powerful for that. Right. And that's probably part of the pillar of the game at some point. So it's not about making difficult games, it's making a game where you feel like you're powerful. Uh, so having difficult uh, difficulty settings and options is really fine in this case, uh, because the idea is to make sure that most people, uh, not everyone maybe, but most people would actually be able to feel that, feel mm -hmm. like a space marine killing demons. 
so, and sometimes when you talk about accessibility, you also talk about um, disabilities. Correct. Uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah, there's no reason for someone who, who has disability to actually not be able to, to feel the vision. If it's mm. not about difficulty, if it's about feeling like a space marine, yeah, maybe right. the, you should have options to allow that. So it's really difficulties. It's, it's often mixed up with accessibility nowadays. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, yeah, there's a strange yeah. overlap in those two conversations that I find a little bit strange, mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, if, you talk, <laughs> if, you, if you talk about difficulty on Reddit, you will probably mm -hmm. have lots of uh, people explaining that difficulty is good, difficulty is part of the game, sure. which is <laughs> which is okay. Uh, but uh, but the question is, is it actually part of the vision? And mm. most of the time, not sure. Uh, if mm. you remove the difficulty as a, uh, as a mechanic, uh, the game should be still fun. Because if the difficulty is everything, in Dark Souls, if the game was a little bit easier, mm. I think the game will be still fun because it is really deep. It's uh, you have patterns and enemies, very complex. You have lots of things to do, exploration, mm. lots of secrets. The lore is crazy. So oh, the yeah. difficulty, <laughs> yeah, the lore is really crazy, like literally. Um, and the, the game would be good without the difficulty, I think. So, yeah, I'm not sure that it's uh, it's, it's not a, usually it's not a, a bad idea to just have a few accessibility options in your game, just yeah. for people. Yeah, I feel like in terms of so, like a disability, we should try to equal that playing field. Like someone's physical disability shouldn't prevent them from experiencing a game. Period. Like we should all move yeah. towards making all games matter what you your, your challenges are that you can play this game like exactly. we can look to microsoft has like that 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 uh controller with that mm. in mind specifically which is great um but the dark souls conversation is that is a lot of design that they have mm. to make this thing challenging but it's also at the same time fair it never feels mm. cheap because it's designed around the player being able to learn patterns, mm. find the best strategies. So to remove that and say, we'll just make it easier. It's like, well, but that's how, that's how we design our games. And it's not bad, mm. cheap game design. It's just, it's fair, but difficult. And it's exactly and ultimately I, I, satisfying I, at the end. I, I did have boss. a small, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did have a small thing like that exactly. And um, when designing Nuclear Blaze, uh, it was uh, the, the amount of water that you have in your tank uh, the, because water is limited. So if you spray water, uh, you will probably uh, run out of water quickly and you have to refill at stations. And um, the way people do play the water is very different. It's really based on uh, how confident you are with your controller. It's based on, on how stressed uh, you are if you are like a uh, super anxious because there is fire fire everywhere and uh, actually player will press the water button really differently some people mm. will just hold it like for 10 seconds until everything is wiped out but some people will just do it like a uh, like a light spray you know like a little yes yeah, so uh, uh, just tapping it so <laughs> this kind of things like uh people are playing the same game so the same difficulty but it's uh, just a matter of how long you press the button and it's uh, something which is not part of the design of the game it's more like your own um, um feeling on how you feel confident when using this weapon and uh, so that's why I decided to put this um, this option to multiply your your water tank by two and a half or something like that. You you can enable this option anytime, 
And uh, because it's really for people who do press for a long time, it wouldn't change the balance at all. It, the game would be exactly as difficult because relatively to their own play style, they will just have the same amount of water because when they press the button, they use like 5%. And when you tap, just tap shortly, you probably use 5% also on, on a normal tank. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of design decision, which is uh, not exactly making the game easier, but making uh, the game more accessible for people who press for a long time. And it might be related, uh, I, I did have one case on that, uh, of one people who, who has disabilities, and they do press for a long time every time, because it's just easier for him. Uh, mm -hmm. So. That's a, that's a quite, for me, it was normal to make this option. It's not making the game easier, actually. Right. And, you know, it's also pretty empowering to spring everywhere like a maniac. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as fun as that is, I would also add that this game has one of the most interesting sort of side secret things going on, and that's looking for stray kitties. Yeah. How did all these cats end up in this facility? <laughs> is my my first question <laughs> with regard. There's everywhere. It's like, is there yeah. like a like a breeding ground? <laughs> there is some. Uh, it's uh, not exactly much. Uh, you don't have much explanation about that, but uh, <laughs> right. There is some backstory I'm here for the lore, uh, Sebastian. That's what I'm here okay. for. Okay. <laughs> so you have this guy, the janitor. <laughs> this guy who is <laughs> like in charge of this facility for some reason because he's just a guy who is cleaning the floor, mm. but he's also for some reason in charge of much more. If you if you did play control, for example, yes. you have this this weird guy which is also the janitor in this game. Yes, yes, yes. Like, uh, yeah, this kind of person, and uh, the, the, all the cats that you see everywhere, they are actually the janitor cats. Oh my god, uh, this cat lady! So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that that might be a topic for my uh, a, a small expansion I wanted to make on the game. So, oh my god, yes, <laughs> it would be that is <laughs> that is you have to do it now because <laughs> I can't live in a world where we don't explore the cat lady janitor dude <laughs> and how he came to have all these cats. Like what went wrong in his life? That <laughs> amass so many cats. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so what's next for you? I mean, you mentioned now kind of teasing like a potential side DLC or you know, exploring this genre character, but like what's next for you? Like the game is out, it's getting really great reviews, great, great reception. Are you just going to enjoy that for a bit, or what's the next? What's next for for Deep Night Games? Um, and, and very short term, I'm working on a small. Uh, I'm still uh, pushing a few uh, updates on the game because uh, you, I, I have a few things I wanted to to fix. So it's like I think the next one is the fifth update. Um, uh, the next one is a little bit bigger because it will introduce a new game plus to the game, a new game uh, mode that you unlock when you finish the game once. And uh, this uh, this mode will allow you to explore a few uh, side uh, sections of the world. It's a little bit more difficult, but still you can still enable options to make it easier. So if you don't want to have a, a hardcore mode, it's still okay. Um, so I, I don't know exactly when I will be able to release this one, but it should be within a month, uh, I guess, or something like that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of content on making sure that uh, when you finish the game, you actually have something new to do, mm -hmm. uh, just like in Dead Cells, actually. Um, so, so that's for the, the short term. And uh, on the long term, I would like to, I'm still discussing the Switch version oh, nice. uh, because I, uh, I would really love to have this yes. on Switch and uh, it's just easier for most people to play. So uh, that would be really cool. But I, I think it will be next year or something like that. 
Um, and if I make the switch version, I will probably also integrate a mode, a game mode I really wanted to do, but I didn't have time, uh, which is more like um, uh, a firefighter arcade mode, which is more oh. like if you think about Bubble Bubble. Older, yes, 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 uh, yes. It's more like um, a, a screen-based firefighting game where you have to uh, turn off fires and to get to the next level pretty short and quickly. And you have to uh, a long sequence of uh, small levels to more in an arcade play style, arcade play style. And uh, something that I would like to experiment and to do uh, next year or before next year or something like that. I'm not sure. Like a co-op experience as well? Like a... I, I would love, uh, yes, I would like to try a cooperative mode in this one, like a two player uh, bubble bubble firefighting game, something oh my God. like that. So, 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 where the Sebastian, yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to email you like a year from now. Where's my DLC with the cat guy? And where's my co op firefighting bubble bubble kind of game? Um, and I want you to ask your son, like, years from now, like, this is how much I love you. I made, I'm making all these firefighting games for you. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. I think with that, Sebastian, we should lean into rapid fire. All right. Um, <laughs> this is it. I'm going to learn some more about you, what kind of human being you are. I mean, you, you, you pretty stand up guy, you know, making games for your kid with him in mind. I mean, um, my dad's lucky he's not around. Cause I'd ask him, where's my game that you didn't <laughs> make for me. My dad detested me playing games, period let alone <laughs> having him make a game for me. I mean, when I tried to say I wanted to do game dev as a kid, he was like, that's not a job. That's not a real job. <laughs> <laughs> that's so difficult because uh, I, I did make a small, uh, very small game for my kid uh, for his uh, second birthday, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like uh, you play a small, um, how to say that, tractor or something. I'm not sure mm -hmm. there's an English word for that, you know. Okay. Uh, um, and you're, you're like in a farm, you have this vehicle in a farm. Uh, and I, I made this very small game and I, I knew it was uh, not a good idea because it meant, because I have two kids and it meant like I was, I, I would be forced to make two games a year for my kids for every birthday. <laughs> so that's not the best uh, idea when you're yeah, also uh, all right. <laughs> that's a little much, I don't know, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe just one a year you don't, would be enough. <laughs> you don't love your kids that much, do you? <laughs> <laughs> gotta be a limit i uh, would have to hire someone to do that right do, do right. it again for my kid please <laughs> um you get a phone call i'm sorry your uh your wife gets a phone call in the middle of the night saying that you've committed a crime what crime have you committed sebastian mm. Uh, I think I would probably uh, have gone like on rampage outside and um, uh, exploding cars, which are oh my god! Parked. <laughs> but if you have uh, if you have um, parked your car in a bad way, like on a uh, on a pedestrian uh, or something on a, in front of a door, if you have parked your own car in a bad way, I would just probably pick up a fire. A thrower and mm -hmm. put everything on fire because it's not uh, like that that you park a car. I'm really mm -hmm. pissed, pissed off by people that actually are putting their car in a bad position. I don't know exactly how to explain that in English, but this is a right. I just got exploding <laughs> cars. I'm like, okay, this guy's a maniac. <laughs> That's what he oh, thinks. But uh, no, no one inside, obviously. Just oh, car. no. <laughs> of course not. You know, just exploding car, no big deal. Yeah. Um, 
if you were part of the firefighting apparatus, what role would you play? Are you more of like the actual firefighter, the guy that's like outside the building with a little trampoline mattress thing to catch people? <laughs> Do you rub down the pole in the firehouse when the guys slide down? What's your personality type? What do you think you most align with? Uh, I would love to be on on front. I definitely I would love mm-hmm. to be on front. Like I'm not something. I'm not someone uh, who is like uh, into sport and really like. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just a game dev. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even going to gym. So yeah, I'm not you like and a, I, a yeah, you and me both, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would I would dream to to be like in on the front line to just uh, yeah just in part of the action. This would be fun. Just just once, not twice, just once. <laughs> this is a, a strange tangent, but did you like speak to any actual firefighters when you were making the game, like for that like authentic experience to capture <laughs> what it feels like to be a firefighter? <laughs> no, actually, after I did, but uh, during the game development, I didn't. Uh, I actually uh, don't have much people uh, into firefighting in in, uh, um, in my friends, so I was like just uh, taking inspiration from videos on YouTube. You know, that could be a good marketing pitch for you, like going around to different fire firehouses and being like, here's my game. When you do like career day, like bring it to the kids. Be <laughs> like, if you want to get into this field, play this game and then get back to us. And see about recruitment. <laughs> and here's some like 40 pound dumbbells. You can, you know, work on your chest and your biceps because <laughs> those guys, I swear. Um Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, obviously yes. Yes. Yeah, so oh, it's obviously don't... yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Let's yeah. go into that for a little while. Why is it obviously it's yes? Like it, you have you have to to take risk in life. So yeah, if, oh, if someone is offering it. you, it's like a no. It's, I think it's just it's some of kind of experience, so like uh, taking drugs, so stuff like that. You, you just it. have to try it yes. because it's it's part of the life. I ex- <laughs> I, I accept this answer. <laughs> Um, would you rather have one real get out of jail free card? You could commit any crime imaginable and get away with it, or you can have a key that would unlock any door, but not the jail cell door for the crime you may have committed. Just very clear. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Uh, so the problem with uh, the, the jail um, bonus and uh, exit card, it, uh, I don't think it allows you to sleep well. So if you, mm. okay, you're out of the jail, but maybe you will have to live up with this, uh, this uh, horrible memories that you have. <laughs> I, right. don't I, I, I don't have any kind of specific idea about the crime, but yeah, setting a is. bunch of cars on fire. <laughs> yeah, for example, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the key would be fun, and uh, it would allow me to get back into my house because uh, I, I, I did happen to lock myself uh, myself outside quite a, a few times. So having such a key would be cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> would be useful to to be able to get back inside. Very nice. That could be a fun game too, being like an arsonist, but like trying not <laughs> to get caught. You know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a tricky one, but yeah. <laughs> Um, would you rather have the power of flight or invisibility? Oh, flight. Uh, no, mm. no, no discussion on this one. It's definitely flight. Invisibility could be fun, mm. but uh, I think you you probably, uh, the, the gameplay mechanics that you can think about, invisibility is quite mm. limited. 
But when you think about flight, it's more like, uh, yeah, you have so many cool things that you can do. And mm -hmm. I have a special uh, a fondness for freedom in general. So oh, uh, any nice. kind that puts you more into into freedom, it's uh, it's cool. So yeah, flight. Very nice. Uh, you've been making games for a long time. If you were given the chance as a solo indie dev to work on a an iconic gaming franchise of your choosing, mm -hmm. which one would that be? uh definitely uh i would pick two no okay yes <laughs> okay go for uh, it yeah i would i would really love to that's something that i might do at some point but uh, i'm not sure because it's difficult to uh, difficult one uh, i would love to make another dungeon master uh, oh, just wow. like Le legend of grimrock was uh, an amazing game right and, uh, and, but uh, for some reason uh, most of the modern titles that did that uh, most of them didn't have uh, such a great success mm. so but I, I would definitely love to make like a dungeon master free uh, yeah at some point like a, a old school one but uh, mm. still uh, having a, any kind of modern uh, mechanics that you could put in, inside of this one mm. um, and yeah and the, the other one would be um, uh, the elder scrolls I would absolutely. Oh wow, Elder more. Scrolls! But, but wow. not the latest one. The latest one is uh, totally out of my uh, out of my range. I cannot make uh, so mm -hmm. much content by myself, obviously. But uh, making like a more daggerfall title, as uh, Elder Scrolls Two, I think. Yes, uh, yes, yes. That's something I would love to do, like uh, a big procedural but uh, full explorable world. That would be yeah, my dream project, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you know, listen. Elder Scrolls 6 is probably 10 years out as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> I still have time. <laughs> yeah, you could totally, well, you have to leverage the Dead Cells, dude. Like, listen, Todd Howard, I'm the Dead Cells guy. Let me do a cute little Elder Scrolls game for you to fill the time up in the next 10 years. Let me do it for you. You could probably <laughs> get him in a room at least to hear a, a pitch. It could definitely mm. happen, I feel. That would be nice. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. I have contacts in Bethesda. I'm going to see what I can do. Be good. <laughs> uh, because I have ideas. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, what is one of your favorite all-time games that you really can't live without? You keep playing, you, you revisit often. What's one of those games for you? Uh, the one I do keep playing definitely is Minecraft. Uh, um, that's, it's, it's part of these games that you never uninstall and you install quickly when you change mm. your system for me. Right. Uh, because yeah, every time I, I do a, a small playthrough, it's different because you have so many updates and the game is like uh, deeper than ever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Minecraft, definitely. And uh, aside from this one, yeah, Skyrim also, mm. also obviously, because also you, you can- That game never goes away you... either, so. Yeah, and they actually did uh, <laughs> another Skyrim. New they won't let you forget about it if you wanted to. I don't, you cannot. <laughs> You definitely cannot. Uh, yeah, I would say that Minecraft. Um, I think that's uh, the only one that I do play on a regular basis. Very nice. Um, would you rather have one billion dollars? One billion dollars cash yeah, okay, tax rate. That. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a bunch of clones of yourself that would do your bidding. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, you uh, see, not so easy, is it? <laughs> I think I would take the clones. 
it's it's like a super egocentric thing. <laughs> but, mm. No, it's mostly because I would really love to to be able to to accomplish a, a few game ideas that I have in my mind, but it's uh, uh, a little bit out of my scope uh, because it's uh, for some for different reasons uh, they are right. difficult to do. And, and spoiler alert: the next uh, game I, I want to work on is like an open world game. But oh I want boy. to do that alone. <laughs> I don't want to do that as a solo indie dev, which is like a stupid idea, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I really like uh, the, the the possibility about uh, thinking about something which is definitely not possible in theory, but to to make that uh, to cut the concept to make that possible as a solo indie dev. But if I was able to have a, a more um, associates like me to do the work, mm. uh, yeah, I would definitely do something a little bit bigger ever. Mm. Uh, so maybe just the two of me would be good. Okay, <laughs> would be that's okay. all you need. Yeah, just, yeah. A, a very small team. Yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, solo day, uh, solo game dev is cute for like a little firefighting game, but an open world game would it be like in the same sort of like pixel art format? Because that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. So I would probably stick to pixel art and uh, yeah. Sebastian, that's three things that you got to do. Do this to get this DLC. You got this open world pixel art game. It's got to happen. All these things got to happen. Uh, and the last thing I want to ask you is, what was the last game that you played that had a really big impact on oh. you? That you walked away feeling like, wow, this game really did something yeah. to me that I haven't felt in a uh, while. There is one which is uh, really obvious to me, which is uh, the Elite Dangerous. Uh, because uh, I, I used to be a big fan of Edit 2, which is like a, an open, a still open world and still freedom and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I, I was a huge fan of this, and uh, and uh, like everyone by this time, I was really, um, uh, I really wanted to have some kind of Edit sequel. And mm. I did the first time I did play Edit Dangerous. I did also play it with uh, Oculus um, mm. VR headset, and it's. Definitely the point in my life where I, I, I thought like, okay, this is what VR is made for. Mm, <laughs> this is yeah. this is the kind of crazy thing that you can actually see in your with your own eyes, which is yes. like being in a spaceship, uh, flying through a, a, a huge space station or over a, a canyon or something like that, and um, and see that for, from your own eyes and be, be, being able to look around you and to see your cockpit and fires and stuff like that it's like it was the craziest uh, game experience for me in years wow. it was like well something I, I i would never have thought i would be able to live and to feel uh, that so yeah it was really like a very very strong impression on me and i definitely thought okay this is the first vr game which is uh, as a meaning wow yeah and vr is you know, as you go into this current generation of, of consoles and, and tech, that's only going to get better, which I'm very excited yeah. for how that's going to exactly. evolve over the next like handful of years. Ah, well, I think that about does it. Sebastian, this has been yeah. a lot of fun. You're amazing human being. I could <laughs> talk you. to you for hours about firefighting games and wacky ideas, but the show has to come to an end, unfortunately. Sebastian, Thank you so much. You've been a blast to speak to this week. Thank you. Um, it was really an amazing time for me. Yes. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Oh, of course. Where can our listeners find out more about you, Nuclear Blaze, Deep Night Games? Give us the whole 
uh, social media spiel? Right uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the, the easiest one is definitely on Twitter. I do spend uh, most of my time there. Uh, uh, so the easiest way would be to go to my website first, which is deepnight.net. And, uh, and uh, on Twitter, my handle is like deepnightfr, mm-hmm. uh, like French. Uh, because uh, Deep Night was taken, so <laughs> I had to, to pick another yeah, one. That's so frustrating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I have to live with that for my next few years. It's a right. Deep Night FR. And uh, so, yeah, deepnight.net or Deep Night FR. All right. I will include all those links for you guys below. Well, that about does it for this week, listeners. Sebastian, thank you so much. Thank you always for being here, dear listener. You mean the world to me. And As always, please be excellent to each other and don't start any random fires. (laughs) Advice, just because it's it's bad form. All right, until next. Thank you so much. Bye.